This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Well, if you have bought a home any time in the past, you know that the home appraiser is an important part of the process. The appraiser is placing value on the property before a lender gives the buyer a mortgage. It's an industry that has been pretty stable one for quite some time, but that could all be changing. The push for automation and the use of technology may be sending thousands of appraisers out to look for new work in the next several years. Real estate website Zillow says that its algorithms are able to capture the impact of features to a house and a neighborhood around it. Stan Humphreys is chief economist and chief analytics officer with Zillow. He joins us on the phone to discuss these changes, as does the aforementioned Wharton Real Estate Professor Benjamin Keyes. Stan, great to have you with us today. Hey, Dan. Great to be here. Th- and uh, good, to, good to talk with you, too, Ben. Ben, great to have you with us as well. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you. Uh, Stan, take us through some of the changes that, that you guys are seeing in this sector right now. Yeah, well, we've been at the kind of the process of valuing homes um, pretty much since our beginning back in 2006. So we've been at it for about 11 11 or so years, and over that period of time, when we launched, we had a valuation accuracy. We, one of our first products was a valuation we placed on every single home, which is called a Zestimate, um, which tries to estimate the market value if you were to sell the house. And back when we launched, we put it on about 43 million homes, and we had a median absolute percent error rate um, of about um, almost close to 14%. And then over those years, we've you know, invested a lot in R&D in that area, and today we value about 100 million homes every single night, and our error rate right now is down to 4.3%. So we've, we've made a lot of advances in uh, the accuracy of, of valuing homes. And again, this isn't, isn't specifically the actual appraisal that would go on the property, but this is kind of the way that, that this could be leading in the future, correct? That's right. Yeah, it's not an appraisal. So it is, I mean, we think about it, I mean, technically it's what's called an automated valuation model, an AVM. So it's a computer uh, a computer assessment um, of, of value, and it can't be used as an appraisal. An appraisal still requires, uh, you know, certification um, process, typically through Fannie and Freddie, and um, and typically a human is involved in that appraisal process. Although Fannie and Freddie are testing a, a, a number of programs, um, waiving the use of a human and uh, instead uh, relying on on a computer model. Well, Ben, we've talked on a variety of cases about how technology is changing all kinds of different sectors. This is the first time that I actually had seen this type of of occurrence in the real estate world. How how I mean, how much of the norm do you think this could be in the years to come? Yeah, I think it's going to be a growing part of of this industry, and certainly Stan's team has had a big impact impact on improving um, the quality of these types of of methods. And you're starting to see take up, as Stan mentioned briefly, from from Fannie and Freddie, in, in sort of a, the broader context. You know, a home. Buying opportunity is is a relatively infrequent transaction for most yeah. families. They have limited expertise about this process, and with most transactions, we don't have an, appra- uh, an external appraiser come in to uh, to assess the value. Right? If I see see a sofa on Craigslist, I'm not going to hire right. an external appraiser right. to argue about whether it's <laughs> worth 100 bucks or 200 bucks. But in this case, there's a third party with money at stake, and that's the lender, or in the case of Fannie and Freddie, if they've um, purchased the loan, that's going to be the GSEs or the the investors who are going to buy the the, the securities, and so they want to make sure um, that their investment is is appropriate and that the the value of the house is is, is sort of appropriate for the the transaction. And so, in the broader context, I think this is a setting where there's a lot of um, uh, a lack of knowledge among buyers and um, appraisers have historically played a really important role. And yeah. I think what technology is is sort of introducing here is, you know, how much can we kind of reduce some of the reliance on 
um, appraiser bias or appraiser fraud. Um, right. And one of the things that we we observed during the housing boom was a lot of pressure on appraisers to hit various prices. And so the incentive problems there are, are, are really deeply entrenched, that the agents on each side of the deal want to get the deal done, and they'd like to see the appraisal come back uh, in the ballpark of you know the price that's already been negotiated. And so yeah. it's sort of this um, thing where the, the deck is already stacked, in a, in a sense, to, to hit a certain appraisal number. Um, and that's really problematic. And that can also lead to a driving up of house prices. And so all of these things are sort of pointing towards the potential for technology to play a really important and, and potentially very beneficial role. Well, you mentioned it. It's good to go back to it. How how much of an issue this was when you go back about a decade and the concerns that really kind of – I mean, the appraisers, in, in from what I read, they were taking as much of the heat at times as were the lenders because of how this was all playing out. That's right. So think about the appraisal process. They're going to take a, a set of – uh, of comparable properties nearby, a set of comps, and they're going to make some adjustments based on uh, the current property relative to the to nearby properties. Is it right. in a better location? Are there better finishes, more space, parking, all those kinds of things that are going to go into the process. But as the comps begin to sell for higher and higher prices, then those are going to be factored into the appraiser's price. And if an appraiser sort of wants to draw a line in the sand and say, this is too much in terms of price per square foot, for this neighborhood and what I think this property is quote unquote worth, right. uh, then they may run the risk of not getting subsequent business, that the agent might not go back to them in the future or the firms might not go back to them in the future. And so there's been a number of uh, layers of regulation that's been put in place to, to block that type of behavior where you're sort of shooting for a particular number. But it is the case that the historical appraisal process um, led the risk of being gamed and led the risk of sort of ratcheting up prices through the use of comps. And uh, it is a, it is a really it, it, it is it is a fraught process, as Ben just described there, where you've got a lot of countervailing incentives there. Where you know to, you know generally the mortgage broker would like an independent assessment of the value of the home because of course they're going to be back at you know they would like that collateral that collateral is backing their 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 loan their funds, um, but at the same time. Uh, for the actual appraiser, then they have an incentive to get that deal done, and any time they appraise below the purchase and sale agreement, then that scuttles the deal. So that creates incentives where typically folks have, it's kind of worked out because home prices over the long term generally are rising in nominal terms. Um, where, where it bit you, of course, is the most recent episode where home prices did not rise in, in nominal or real terms. Um, and declined, and then it turned out that uh, you know generally, if you look at appraisers uh, appraisal accuracy you know, uh, over a long period of time, you know ninety percent of appraisals come in above the purchase and sale agreement, so that leads you to believe that there's some confirmation bias there that that appraisers are are not actually independently valuing that home but rather are justifying the price that's already been agreed to well um, yeah. go, go ahead finish up Stan. i'm sorry I, I was just going to say that just just full stop basically that that if, if that's true, like I said, not, normally that doesn't get you into that much trouble because home prices are increasing. So even right. if you've got a little bit of overestimation, it doesn't, it doesn't affect you, except in times of, of uh, home price recessions when it really does affect you. So is it the expectation of Zillow and probably a lot of other companies that are in this, in this marketplace, Dan, that, uh, well, let's take it on the case of Zillow, that that 5% error number that you mentioned that you've gotten down to over time, that that, that, that number could be even lower by by really relying on the data and some of the other uh, algorithms that you're talking about, get it down to three percent, two percent, or even one percent. 
Yeah, when when we you know when when we started this when uh, you know back when we were starting starting up in 2006, I, I really thought the lower limit of our error rates were going to be around five or six percent. So the fact that we're now below that is uh, you know has been a little bit surprising to me, uh, which leads to me to you know leads to the natural question to be you know where is the asymptote? Well, you know, how low can we go? Um, we just about three months ago launched the Zillow Prize, which is a million dollar prize um, that we're offering to uh, we have about two thousand. Uh, teams around the world competing to improve the Zestimate algorithm. Um, so, you know, I, I expect at the end of that, you know, two, three percent median absolute percent error. So, so extraordinarily low. Um, and we've also got a lot of kind of in-house research efforts focused on computer vision, um, uh, deep learning, things like that, that of unstructured data, which is harder to input in the algorithm. But we now have, you know, completed a few years of research that allows us to do that, and that will further drive down that error rate. So, yeah, I mean, you know, computerized models are going to get very accurate. You know, there's still, although at the end, there's probably some role for a um, for a human being to be involved there. The question is, what's the role for that human being? That Right now, appraisers are professionals, meaning yeah. that they have a, a high degree of discretion, and it's a bit of an art to uh, to what they do. You know, in the future, the the role for the human being there is a role to make sure that the facts that the computer is using are accurate, and that the house hasn't burned down. You know, things that. Um, you know, just basic validation, but that's more of a technician type job as opposed to a professional. There's not a high degree of discretion that's needed for that role um, as opposed to um, more of a validation activity. Ben? Yeah, I think, you know, Stan highlights exactly the the transition that I think we're seeing, which is something like a transition from an art to a science, right? And that um, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of training that goes into being an appraiser. And, you know, we could talk at length about the various types of licensing standards and you know the barriers to entry that that those off, often create, but in many states you need to have a college degree yeah. uh, to be a, to be an appraiser. Um, you have hours and upon hours of training. You, you have need to, to do serve, an internship too, right? You need to serve as an apprentice, apprentice uh, yeah. serve an apprentice appraiser for a certain amount of time in most states, and so there are all these requirements. Um, and with all these barriers in place, when when Stan's uh, algorithm can get down to four. 0.3%. And with these really exciting new advances in sort of the unstructured data, two or 3%, you know, what's the role going to be for appraisers going forward? And is this industry um, essentially doomed? Or are they going to be um, playing a much smaller role? And I think, um, you know, whether the, the licensing barriers make sense um, as that transition occurs is something that states are going to have to um, to grapple with. So it did, does it almost become, uh, if, if the data can get you down to, you know, such a low error rate, uh, does the appraiser kind of become that second voice, that second pitch? If there's some sort of disagreement between one side or the other say, okay, listen, we want to take it to a, an actual appraiser to have him or her come in and take a look at the property. That's right. Yeah. It might serve as sort of a second set of eyes that you might have this certain, you know, you could sort of object to or disagree with, um, with the automated appraisal right. and say, you know, we're going to take it to an adjudicator um, or, you know, some sort of um, a review, like review an arbitration, process, like an arbitration yeah. process. And I think yeah. that might be a, a natural, uh, a natural next step. But it is interesting, though, when you think about the business uh, of the real estate industry, the numbers of appraisers have been going down from looking at a couple of articles over the last few years. And because part and parcel to what the expectations are in terms of you need to have the college degree, you need to get the certification, you need to do you know uh, 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 an apprenticeship. Uh, not as many people are going into this industry as they were, say, twenty years ago. That's right. So it's almost inherent on 
this type of data to kind of pick up that slack. That's right. The numbers that I've uh, come across suggest that there's been a 25,000 person decline in this industry in just the last 10 years, about 120,000 people down to about 95,000. And I think as you begin to see the writing on the wall of the the power of the algorithm uh, yeah. in this setting, and then you you look at all the licensing barriers that we just went through, the state regulations, um, you know why why start of why start on this treadmill, right? Why begin yeah. this long process of being um, approved for an industry where there's relatively limited um, future growth, and so that's just really thinned out the pipeline of people who want to get into the appraisal business. Against, yeah, there, and, yeah. and there is there's some I think there is some irony in that in that development of increasing licensing requirements, where you know typically that's done by, by many professions, uh, real estate uh, uh, brokers themselves, you know uh, barbers, in any profession where they there's an incentive for that uh, group to increase the licensing requirements to create a barrier to entry for new people. Mm-hmm. Which then drives up their prevailing wage rates, um, but that's created a, an interesting incentive. Where yes, appraisers are typically much older now; it, it's difficult to get new entrants into that field, and then that dearth of appraisals is creating a lot of angst to find alternatives to appraisals. So in a sense, it's kind of come back. It's uh, you know that increasing licensing requirement, which was initially probably a good thing for appraisers because it drove up their prevailing wage rates, is now leading to folks trying to find an alternative to them. 844-942-7866 is the number if you'd like to join in. We're talking about the the moving, the passing of the home appraiser, 844-942-7866. Or if you'd like, send us a comment via Twitter, either at BizRadio111 or my Twitter account, which is at DanLoney21. Still, it is interesting, Ben, though, that you're talking about, as Stan kind of alluded to, Fannie and Freddie are are already kind of going down this path. And Fannie and Freddie, you know, as as strong as they have been in the industry, they even realize the shift that's going on here. And bottom line, it's probably a cost savings to a lot of these institutions to go down this route, not only on the 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 the, the diminishing of the error rate, but also just the cost of the appraisers themselves. Oh, absolutely. I mean, Stan mentioned they can do 100 million of these in a single night, right? And so when yeah. you think about that type of scale, you know, Fannie and Freddie are recognizing the benefits to this. And and thus far, my sense is that their automated uh, appraisal process has been relatively small and f- uh, focused on um, properties where there are very easy comps, right? So think about a condo building where um, a built, you know, a number of units down the hall have already sold. They have a similar kind of um, similar footprint. Um, so these are not idiosyncratic properties where they're using this, and they're using this for properties where the loan to value ratio is very low. So there's not a lot of risk um, at stake. Um, but that said, they they do seem to be expanding the, these automated options and, and rolling yeah. them out uh, as a service, in fact, to to some of their lenders, saying, "Here's another thing that we can provide if if you work with with." Fannie Mae, you can get access to their um, their collateral collateral underwriting right. um, software, and so it's another perk that they're rolling out, and so they're also developing this software, and so it's not just um, that some of the external parties are are developing this, but the players in the market themselves are also. Uh, working on these types of problems. Well, it's probably it's probably worth mentioning also that, that while the technology you know has, has made enormous strides in terms of uh, of AVM automated valuation model technology, um, it is important to differentiate that from the regulatory um, and the process perspective. That in terms of um, the role that the appraisal plays in the lending process, that you know we are we are a long way away, I think, from. Um, 
AVMs being more ubiquitous there because, you know, the lenders tend to think it's, it's a very binary process for a lender where they get a purchase and sale agreement and then they have an appraisal and they want to see whether the appraisal is greater than or equal to that purchase and sale agreement that's been agreed to by, by, between a buyer and a seller. Um, to shift more to an AVM model, um, they have to shift that binary thinking of, is it greater or less than the price that the buyer and seller have agreed to, mm-hmm. to more of a probabilistic, is it in the range um, that the model has come up with? And there's some advantages to that, because if you're willing to trust a range, then you can actually, you know, you could, a buyer could get, a home could essentially have that appraisal slash AVM done in advance of the purchase and sale being agreed to. Right. Um, but right now, you know, if, you know, the AVM comes in at, uh, you know, 98 and the purchase and sale agreement is 100, um, you know, that in the appraisal context creates a problem. Um, so pra- uh, lenders are going to have to think about through their process, like, how do we deal with this range-based concept, the confidence interval, as opposed to a binary uh, greater than or less than? Well, so- you, you, t- you talked, shifting on to something a little bit different, Stan, you were talking before about this this project that you're doing to try and even improve the the uh, the algorithms even further to get that, that number down from 5%, the error rate down uh, to, you know, 3 or 2%. I mean, when you're talking about putting an appraisal on... On, uh, on a house or a, a zestimate, as you guys uh, refer to it with Zillow. Uh, I mean, th- there obviously are certain things that are kind of core factors that go into the appraisal of a house. But I, I mean, I would think that y- you have to kind of expand that to look not only at the house itself, but the neighborhood and 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 a variety of different things to be able to get a you know any even truer sense of what the value of a particular house may be. Because what you know. I just moved into a house in the Philadelphia suburbs. What I moved into may be house-wise the same as, say, something in San Francisco, but cost-wise, it's going to be a heck of a lot different. That's right, yeah. And and that's been, you know, the, the initial models that, um, you know, that this, you know, AVMs have been around for probably 20, 20 years or so. And those initial models were just basically based on very structured data and generally uh, the data about the physical structure of the home, less about the location, uh, you know, bedrooms and bathrooms and square footage. Um, you know, our early models did incorporate, in, in fact, the advance that we made uh, in launching our initial models was to, instead of approach this as a statistical exercise with a very complicated model built by statisticians, was to, instead, we approached it as a machine learning problem of, instead of having, you know, one fantastic model that a team of statisticians had crafted for, say, all of California or maybe the LA Metro, we devised a, a very large system of machine learning models mm-hmm. that was millions of models that could go down to a census track level um, and figure out where the patterns were. Um, so that was the, and, but that brought in the geography, the geographic component that you're describing, that the same house will fetch a different price depending on the neighborhood it's in. And then over the years, the things that have you know pushed us from 14% down to 4.3% have been adding things in like um, you know geospatial attributes, uh, school districts, and you know do you have a view to your home? Are you on the waterfront? Yeah. Things like that. So and then there's a lot more data as I mentioned that's captured, and then what we call this unstructured data. So it's you know it's it's images about the house or satellite images or images of, of uh, you know listing images of views of the home exterior and interior. And it, and those, have a, those have a lot of uh, a lot of signal in there. Where if you look at that, it'll tell you about the condition of the home. Any pushback from from uh, people in various uh, in a variety of elements of the real estate industry to kind of going this path where uh, where home appraisals are concerned? 
Well, um, well, again, when it gets to home appraisals, I would say that there's still not much. You know, the the you know our our estimate cannot be used as a home appraisal, right, yeah. um, and so there's not really been um, you know much change in that underlying uh, regulatory regime. Um, uh, in terms of the, the the valuation itself, yeah, yes, it, it does seem to be quite useful to consumers, um, both buyers and sellers, who like a completely independent assessment of the value of the house that's right. independent of the. Um, you know, of the buyer or seller. You know, prior to this estimate, the you know, the equivalent would be like in the stock market. If you want to know whether you know IBM share price was a was a good price, you know, the answer was go ask IBM. You know, go ask the seller um, of that stock whether it's a good price. Um, that's you know, we with this estimate, we're trying to create alter, you know multiple independent opinions of value, right. like you would have on any stock in the stock market, where you know Mo, you know Motley Fool or anyone else will give you an assessment for whether IBM share price is fairly priced. How long do you think, Ben, that uh, we're going to see this really as kind of the norm in this industry of of using uh, you know data to do appraisals uh, of houses? I mean, how soon? Uh, yeah, so Stan's made a really good point that despite all of the advances, you know, the 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 official appraisal process still requires someone to sign off on yeah. on, on the paperwork, and and generally there aren't a lot of of um, fully automated appraisal options uh, at the moment. So there are there are still there are a few, um, but I think you know as Stan was mentioning with the licensing um, and sort of barriers to entry, you know, that you do you are eventually going to have a fairly entrenched uh, and small appraisal appraiser sector. Um, who are going to want to continue to keep some of the the position that they have, and so the question there is whether they're going to be able, as a you know, lobbying force, to prevent some of the rules from being changed, or whether these things are going to be able to transition over to being fully uh, automated sooner rather than later. I think right. it's only a matter of time until uh, the technology is is strong enough and and you know it's um, cheap enough from the standpoint of of the lenders and and the buyers um, to to cut out. Um, you know, cut out the the humans from this process and move to more of an algorithm uh, based process. And I think the you know the excitement around this one million dollar prize that that Zillow is offering is is only going to add to that. Sure, great to have you both with us. Thank you, Stan. I appreciate your time today. Thank you, Dan. Th- good talking to you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. Great seeing you again. Thanks yeah. for coming on. Thanks. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. 